Well, Nikki, thank you very much. Um, this, is, uh, this is the season of Advent, and Advent means coming, and it is a celebration of the three comings, the birth of Jesus, the coming of Jesus into our lives, and the coming in glory, when Jesus will come again. And for all three, the message is exactly the same. Get ready. Be prepared. And I want to look at one crucial question in this preparation. And it's this. Do you know your who? Now you may say, what a strange thing to ask. Besides not making grammatical sense, what does it mean to to know your who? Well, to know your who is to know your identity. And identity is one of the great issues of our time. It is something that affects not only a person, but also the people uh, on earth. We just think of Brexit, the question of who are we in the future? Think of the Americas with Donald Trump. Who are the, who is America as a country? You think of the poor people, um, the Ruanga people. Who are they? Identity hits all of us. You see, I think it is important for us to grasp this great truth. I wrote a book called Know Your Why. And uh, as Nikki mentioned it, um, I have to say, I said in that book, know your why means to come to know your purpose, your calling, and how you fulfill your calling in life. But there is a prequel. Do you know, are you familiar with prequels? Well, you know about sequels. But a prequel, something that comes before that, is know your who. And and you remember the most classic prequel was The Hobbit. Because we saw uh, in The Hobbit, it was a foreshadowing of the characters. It was hinting at the adventures that were to come in Lord of the Rings. We meet Frodo in person in the Shires. And before he is fully revealed as the ring bearer in the context of the story. So the message is this, before your purpose, before you know your why, there is a prequel to know your who. And so often we confuse activity with identity. What I do rather than who I am. And what I do becomes more important than who I am. Do you know the first Doctor Who, I'm sure there are many here who loved to watch Doctor Who, but when they first made Doctor Who, he was known as just Doctor. And then everybody said, well, you can't just call him Doctor. He's got to be Doctor John, Doctor Fred, Doctor someone. And they kept saying, well, Doctor Who. And that's how the title came about, Doctor Who. Now, I don't know whether like Doctor Who... You've got a signed mystery about who you are, uh, a sort of idealized picture that you don't really want anyone to see too much about. When your internal life, the life that you live every day, is actually different from the external projection. You know, when you listen to Desert Island Drisks or Graham Norton's show, any one of those shows, people are always trying to get to find out who is the real who, who is the real person behind the celebrity or, or whatever it is. And it's the same with us, trying to find out who the real person is. To know your who is to know your God. 
And knowing your who frees you to know your why. Knowing that who you are as a person frees you up to know your purpose in life. Because God has created us as people whom he loves with a purpose that he longs to see us fulfilling in the world. You know, our culture always talks about self-identity or self-image. You know, it's been said that there are three people within each one of us. The person we think we are, the person others think we are, and the person God knows we are. I want to talk a bit about identity theft. Do you know it's absolutely of epidemic proportions in this country? 500 identity thefts occur every day. In the last six years in the United States, over $100 billion has been lost as a result of identity theft. And we do that in an extraordinary way. What we steal, you know, the deliberate use of another person's identity. I would like to be like so and so. I would like to be competent and, and skilled like the person working next to me or the person sitting next to me in church. I want to edit my CV. I want to present myself by borrowing other things that I've seen that are more attractive in other people. And we hear the lies that say, I am no good, I am useless, I shouldn't be here. That's what we steal. What others steal from it, others steal from us. They take from us our identity and try and rob us of the security that we have in Jesus Christ. You know, you're not really that good. Trying to create an insecurity all the time that feeds us and say, well, maybe I am not. And consumer pressure and advertising hits us to try and make us feel different from who we actually are. And then there is the forces of evil stealing from us. You see, what God has created, we were created in the image of God. And what he wants to do is to break that image, to tarnish that image. You know, you're not really good. God isn't really good for you. If God were good to you, why would he let you suffer? Why would he let you go through the hardship that you're going? So he whispers to us, you know what? This God, he doesn't really have your best interests at heart. Identity theft, spiritual identity theft is on an epidemic scale because we do not know uh, who. What do you say about you? What do you say about who you are? Are you what your Facebook feed tells you? And by the way, what kind of food are we feeding ourselves on our Facebook, our Twitter, our social media? Are you the creation of the likes, the dislikes, the Snapchat, the swiping left, the swiping right? I hope we swipe up rather than one way or the other. The social media, the comments of others, the words spoken over you by a father, by a teacher, by your colleagues, the image I want to project to get likes, the acts I don't want to do because I know I won't get likes. The question we face today is a deep question of personhood. What does the social media say about you? 
What do you, how do you want to be seen by your friends? When recently, we, uh, last week in the, uh, the LCL, the, the leadership college here, we had a comp- an amazing debate on artificial intelligence, on what it is to have identity and personhood. What does it mean to be a person? Do you know that soon you will be able to detect whether I am faking a smile? Image recognition is going to be of such an order that on your telephone we'll be able to see an emotional guide to whether you're being real or not. And we will start calibrating our, our own person to be recognized as being real. Facial recognition technology is of such an order that pretty soon we're going to watch whether this is true or whether this is not. In China, the social credit system is mapping 1.3 billion people to know what they eat, what they watch, what they spend, and what is essential to their trustworthiness, and they are going to get a credit score on that basis. Soon that we'll be mapped in a system, isn't this really the best training ground? And where are these where are these things being trained? They're being trained on YouTube. Well, I don't I watch YouTube. I'm not sure that the best human condition is reflected in YouTube. But that is where this entire new personhood is being changed. What kind of people are you? What is it to be a person? What is it what does our identity mean? I traveled to Saudi Arabia and Sophie the robot was given citizenship in in Saudi Arabia. As a person. And what about Siri and Lexa? Can they know their who? We asked this question at our leadership college as well. Can a robot be saved? Do you know technology changes the way we see God? The first printed Bible enabled mankind to be able to read the scriptures themselves. Is it the curse of our age that our technology will take it out of our hands? Because the algorithm and mass data will become what Yil Harari calls homodeus. We will become God. We won't need God. And what if computers can read our minds and our emotions? What do you say you are? What does Siri say you are? What will Alexa say you are? If you don't know your who, a machine will. And you will be shaped. The disruptive technology around us is changing your activity and your destiny and my destiny every single day. The way we work, the way we relate to people. But do you know what? Although this technology will change our activity, it cannot change our identity. Your identity in Christ is now is tomorrow and will be forever. And talking about machines, we should always remember this. Machines are made. Artificial intelligent machines, maybe very intelligent, but they're artificial. 
they're made. But we are born of a parent. We are begotten of a father. We are not made. We are adopted as sons of God, daughters of God. We are not assembled. We start life in a relationship with God. It's the true meaning of a begotten is that we are procreated. We are created beings. We have the capacity to love, the capacity to suffer, the capacity to be in a relationship with others. We are fathered, and because we are fathered, we do not have to fear any machine that comes to disrupt life or to enhance it, depending on your view. You see, it's in relationship personhood if you say well well how do we going to work out you know who i am you know who what does siri say she is or he is how do we know the difference the answer is that a person is defined in a relationship with jesus and with god god defines who a person is not me or you or a machine god says i made you and i want this relationship with you that is the key If you're trying to live someone else's life, you may well have a distorted view of your life. The key to living well is to have have the identity of Christ in you. I remember the shock I had when a distinguished Christian leader said to me that he really hated himself. He hated the identity that he had. He felt that he was trapped in a person he didn't want to be. It was so difficult to know what to say. Outwardly, his life was successful. Inwardly, he was smarting and hurting. I reminded him that whatever his activity was, and it was pretty big scale, his identity was unchanged in God. He was wonderfully made in the image of God. He was loved by a father. He wasn't just put into this world to perform an activity. I think of a friend whose identity was so tied up in his work that he had a near breakdown because he couldn't see that activity and identity were not one and the same thing. He was, he was drawn together like this. And of course he was practically burnt out. And he began this wonderful way of reconstructing as I helped him to understand that his identity was what mattered. So I want to look at the Bible because the Bible is always the greatest guide to us. And I want to look at that first encounter of John the Baptist. This is a time of preparation and John the Baptist was sent in the world as a preparation for the coming of Christ. You know that all of Jerusalem went out to see John the Baptist. I don't know who you would think everybody wants to see. Maybe Ed Sheeran. Maybe you want to get out there. He's a celeb. Everybody goes to see him. Jesus says of John the Baptist that no person born of a woman is greater than John the Baptist. Do you know what that means? John the Baptist was greater than Moses the lawgiver, greater than Joseph the prime minister, greater than Solomon the wise, greater than Elijah the prophet, greater than David the king. And yet Jesus goes on to say, to say that the least 
in the kingdom greater than John the Baptist that's you and me that's you and me and yet you know John the Baptist had doubts he had doubts he wondered about his who he asked his disciples to go to Jesus and say am I really the one I don't know whether you do that sometimes and say do you, are you really called me to this it's okay to doubt it's okay to doubt but here is what happened with this extraordinary man John the Baptist I'm going to read to you John 1 verse 19 now this was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders of Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was he did not fail to confess so the first wonderful thing we see about John is he didn't fail to confess he said I'm perfectly open I'm transparent he said I'm freely they said to him who are you? He said, I am not the Messiah. They asked him, then who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not Elijah. Are you the prophet? No, I am not the prophet. Finally, they said, well, who are you? Just give us an answer so we can take it back to those who sent us. Three times they ask him, who are you? Three times he says, I am not this, I am not that. You know, negative definition. I, you know, I'm not Nicky, I'm not um, someone else. Well, I'm, you know what, I, I'm no great uh, person. I am not this. I, you, can, you can see yourself doing it. Three times they ask him, and then the killer thing, in frustration they say to him, <sighs> who do you say you are? What do you say about yourself? What do you say about yourself? For goodness sake, just give us something. And John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. So the first thing he says is who he is. You know, I am the voice. His, his first question is not his activity. But they want to know the activity. So the next verse, 24. Now the Pharisees who had been sent questioned him, Why then are you baptizing? Why are you doing what you're doing, which only the Messiah is supposed to do? And only after that does John reply what he does, what his activity is. And he says, I baptize with water, but amongst you stands one you do not know. He is the one who comes after me, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. Do you see this extraordinary interchange? Three times they ask him who. They want to know what you do. And he wants to say, do you know, I am not who you think I am. He's open, he's transparent, but they want to hear it from the horse's mouth. They want to know that identity of this person what's his activity but what he is saying to them is identity comes before activity know your who comes before know your what I do and of course so often we try and skip across Fee and I were at a dinner this week and there was a person um, it was a, quite an academic dinner and so I naturally turned to him and said are you an academic and he said no I'm not I said to him, oh, do you know the host? No, I don't. So I thought, oh, for flip's sake, you know what I want. He said, tell me, who do you say you are? Who are you? And then we went into dinner, and the chap still hadn't told me who he was. I was completely maddened, and I 
took all the best of manners to talk to him um, on my right. You see, it's a great question. Who, who do you, are you satisfied with what you're doing? What are you doing baptizing? If you're not the Messiah, why are you baptizing? If you're, if you're not trained to be an accountant, why are you being an accountant? If you don't want to be a computer programmer, why are you doing it? And then he answers, after the who, he says the what. I baptize with water. But amongst you stands one you do not know. He is the one who comes after me, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to tie. When we know our identity in him, he will show us our destiny, our calling, our purpose. When we know the person of who I am, I will know the purpose for whom he has called me. And Christ is our true identity. You know, in the letter to the Ephesians, Paul is so overwhelmed by our identity that the first chapter goes on, you know, for literally, you know, page and a half without a stop just say we are in Christ we are seated in Christ we are part of 20 times he says we are in Christ we are fulfilled the best is yet to come because we are in this extraordinary relationship with a person who we don't really begin to appreciate but he loves us do you see that and this advent when we remember this example of John, he knew that the closer he got to Jesus, the clearer Jesus became. John pointed the way. He got out of the way. He said, I am not the one. I can't tie his sandal straps. And he prepared the way for Jesus. And you know, John never knew the power of the cross. He never knew that Jesus would die on a cross. He never knew the power of the resurrection when Jesus came to give us new life. He never knew that the cross was the decisive moment of the whole of history. All of history to the moment of the cross was man searching for God. And on the moment of the cross, it was God meeting you and me. And then he rose again. And then the Spirit of God came. John did not know that but we do we know that our identity is in this Christ Jesus this Christmas you know some of us will get presents that are called kits you know you get an office kit a tool kit a monogrammed identity a monogrammed kit uh, with um, hankies with your monograms on or whatever it is I think for this Christmas, why don't we turn to the Spirit of God and look for an identikit, a tailor-made guide for you by God who knows you and who made you. When they said, when John the Baptist in Matthew's Gospel was talking um, of Jesus, he said this, I baptize you with water for repentance. That's my purpose. That's what I do. But after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with fire and the Holy Spirit. 
He will baptize you with fire. So when we come to this identikit, when we're trying to look at this identikit, remember this. Firstly, reject the contrived, the made-up images, the projections that we have of what we think others would like to see in us. Turn from them. Let the fire of God sweep through you. He comes with fire. He, with a fire, he sweeps through it. You know, he says his winnowing fork is in his hand. He will clear his threshing floor, gathering the wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. The stuff you don't want, the stuff that you come to live with and you think is totally part of you, the activity that you think you can't be separated from because if I'm not a school teacher, I am a nothing. No, you are. Remember that you can reject identity theft, reject the identity theft that we talked about, and remember the identity truth. The identity truth is that you, the image of God in Christ Jesus is far greater in you than anybody can mar. He loves you. He loves all of you. He loves even the bits you don't like. He likes the shadow of you. He wants to be part of the darker side that you don't want anybody to see or to know. Reflect God's call. Reflect God's call on your life and deflect the attention from you. Know your who, but you also know your who in and through others. When we reach out to the poor, to the weak, to the marginalized. When we do something at Christmas that is different from what we've done for me. We remember Paul saying, for me to live is Christ. Reject the contrivance. Remember that we are in Christ. Reject the identity theft and take on the identity truth. Which is that we receive the power of the Holy Spirit. He fashions, he forms us by his love. He will show you the real you, the you he knows, the you he created in his own image, the you he died for, the you he even knew before you were in your mother's womb, the you he knew from every hair of whose head he has counted, the you who is engraved on the palms of his hands. He knows the you that he has prepared good paths for you to walk in. He knows you. And when the Spirit of God comes on you to shake you and to shape you, to receive the coming of Jesus right now, to shape and change your life, know your who in relation to Jesus. So when the question is, what do you say about you? They asked Jesus the same question, who are you? They asked John the question, who are you? What do you say about you? Don't try to construct another avatar, something different from yourself. Don't try to go it alone or to try and find your own who. Don't try and confuse your activity with your identity because you are empowered along the way. We can only position ourselves. We can't empower ourselves at this time today. We can put ourselves in a position to receive from him. To receive the power of the Spirit of God that assures us we are sons and daughters of the Most High God. 
that the power within us is greater than the power that any other person could ever have. The power within you and me is greater than the power which saw Jesus being risen from the dead. So when he asks the question, who do you say you are? You want to have us new confidence to say, I am a child of God. I am secure. My activity may change. My destiny will alter. The things that I do over life may be reshaped. Artificial intelligence may come and reshape the whole world around me and everything I do within it. But it will change. But what will never change is that I am a child of God. I am secure, utterly, utterly secure in that knowledge. Come hell, come high water, come AI, come the lies of the devil, comes the, comes the cheating of, of the stealing of my identity. My true identity will never be changed. Who do you say you are? I am loved. I am known. I am called. I know my who in Christ Jesus. The fire of God and the Spirit of God, he will baptize with fire and with the Spirit of God. Let us stand and receive this fire and the Spirit of the living God.